Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys and a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. Feels like a Monday, but it's a Thursday. Kind of an odd feeling out there after a midweek of 4th of July. I hope everybody had an outstanding, outstanding 4th of July midweek holiday, midweek break, at least one day off for everybody. Lots of sports to talk about. Baseball, front and center, Wimbledon, tennis. I got up close and personal with the Wimbledon tennis over the weekend. A rare moment in time, U.S. Women's Open. A couple of big trades in the NBA and... One of our most popular segments post-4th of July, the Big Dog. Joel Radwanski will be breaking down the, I think, oh, I forget what annual it was, but the hot dog eating contest, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest out in beautiful New York City. We'll break down that and probably just break down in general. A little bit of music and then we'll get this sucker started. A couple of uh, tweeters have reminded us we uh, also will be giving you stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France. Five stages down, 15 to go. Let me welcome in my good partner, the uh, semi-esteemed Big Dog, Joel Radwanski. Big Dog, hope you had a great fourth, my friend. Uh, Coach, I had a a phenomenal fourth. I was able to work all day on the fourth, but I literally had to stretch out for like six hours before work. And now I have to actually work again, and I haven't been stretched out. This is going to be like a hellish day for me. Mm-hmm. My back is so bad that David Olson, who's on baby watch, when he answered the phone, I didn't even get the chance to say, hey, are you a dad yet, or again, or again. I got to, he, the first thing he asked is, how's your back? So, I mean, I think that pretty much sums it up for me I right just saw now. a picture of his uh, uh, soon-to-deliver third child wife, who was uh, just, say, based on the belly extremely pregnant, and that's got to be rough on the back. So my question is, David and or Joel, whose back feels worse right now, the big dogs or Mrs. Olsen? Could be a tough call. Yeah, I'm, I'm not about to compare myself to a pregnant woman. I know better, Coach. There's a few things <laughs> I know in the world, Yeah, and I am not about to say i got it worse off than a pregnant woman. So definitely, without a question, it's Mrs. Olsen. So. Mm-hmm. And the good part is, even while you're on the kayak on the Chicago River, there's very little chance that your water will break. Although, yeah, well, there is a couple cases. Break, I've heard of a couple cases where you did have some minor leakage, but um, that's a whole different story. Yeah, uh, completely. Uh, talking about a, a totally different story. This <laughs> Please. morning, I, uh, I I walk into uh, East Bank Club this morning, and uh, all, all I'm trying to do is uh, get somebody to stretch my back out before I have to go to this tour, which is like in 10 minutes. I'm sorry I didn't let you know, Coach. It was like last second. Somebody dropped down $500 to hang out with me for an hour. So I have no problem with that. <laughs> hey, ho! Um, but uh, while I'm walking in, I hear somebody go, Yo, big dog! Turn around, it's Mark Carmen. Oh, Mark Carmen? Is in town and he's hanging out here at East Bank Club. Oh, no, this is even better. It gets even better. Guess who he's with? Who he's with? with? Yeah. Female traffic reporter Lane Closure. Uh, No, Lane Closure was nowhere near uh, (laughs) the East Bank Club this morning. 
Okay. It was actually another former co-host of yours who I've never met before. Former co-host of my, uh, former co Seth Marks? Seth Marks. So you I've got to meet Seth. Before. Wow. Yeah. First time ever, and I gotta admit, he's pretty impressive. And, and he, he pretty much flat out told me what to do. He's like, get away from coach as fast <laughs> as possible. It's one of your best career moves you'll probably ever make. And he's like, I don't know how you can stand how liberal he is, but yeah. he's like, you need to, you need to get away from him as fast as possible. Oh, so, me, me and uh, me and Seth used to argue sports, but me and Seth's dad, his dad used to call up under some moniker, I forget what the hell it was, but the two of us would really get into it. It would make some of our political jive big dogs seem very minuscule. Yeah, that's that's what Seth told me okay. basically. Yeah, he says, you think you guys get into it? You should have heard Coach and I. And then <laughs> Carmen was like, I don't know. I don't know. He's like, you know, the, the big dog will stand his ground. So we'll, I, I, I'm going to have to just accept, you know, maybe there is somebody out there that actually uh, stood up to you before me, Coach. So I'm just happy that there might be somebody out there. Oh, goodness. Mark Carmine out in Kansas City. How do the two of them look here? A couple of 30-something still. Uh, I haven't seen neither of them for a while. Keeping in shape or are we putting on the poundage a little bit? Well, Carmen is extremely fit. And Excellent. his hair is beautiful, except it's gray. Okay, completely gray. Mm-hmm. And, and I never knew what Seth looked like beforehand. And all I said, all I said to him was like, you know, you look totally different because I pictured him as redheaded, freckled, short, and fat. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Yeah. Okay, just with that name. And uh, when I met him, I was like, you're nothing like I pictured, which is a good thing. And he laughed. He's like, I got to be quite honest with you, you're a freaking beast. I had. He's like, I pictured you as big fat dude. So I guess uh, I was. Uh, we both were pleasantly surprised is the best way I could yeah, drop it. We used to do a show called The Naked Truth About Sports. A uh, lot of fun. That is outstanding. That's just by sheer happenstance you ran into the two of them. Yes, and, and I, I, my head was down because I'm in total pain, agony over this freaking back issue. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that Carmen saw me. So that's it, it's really cool. Cause I, I'm glad I saw him. I'm surprised Seth's wife. Did Seth's, Seth mention anything about the pickle ladies? Uh, I, I did not get enough time to actually right. hang out but, with that. Because his wife has a couple of friends known as the Pickle Ladies. I won't go into the whole reason, or you have short time, but uh, I think they could cure you of your back problems, Big Dog. The Pickle Ladies, huh? Yes, yes. So. That sounds a, a little suspicious, Coach, so I, I, I'm really not going to yeah. delve into that any okay. any further. Another good but, career move on your part. And, and, and we only have so much time because I really do have to get going. Today. I'm really sorry about this. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you here with a, like basically a whole show solo okay. show on your hands. Well, but I, I can cover the rest of the one thing I can't cover before you depart us here. You know, it's a yearly tradition now. I forget what the thought I marked it down, but I don't know what annual Nathan's hot dog eating contest. But uh, one of the great sporting events of the calendar year, Big Dog Joey Chestnut. And I think you've called him one of the great athletes of our time for the sixth consecutive time. And, David, you should have seen this. I hope your wife didn't watch it because if she did, you would have been you, – baby number three probably would have been delivered at this point. But he he pounded down 67 and 68. Hot dogs number six, seven, and six, eight at the buzzer. At the buzzer to tie the record. Maybe one of the great sport moments, big dog, since Christian Leitner hit that basket against Kentucky. Yeah, that, that was 20 years ago, Coach, and that was, the, it was funny. That was the first thing I thought of was it was that unbelievable sports moment. Now, uh, you know, uh, speaking of, of eating contests, on the third, there was uh, there uh, there's a, a young woman that uh, that Lily the Lilac is good friends with, 
and uh, she's a, a civil engineer. She designs the streets of the city of Chicago, making sure it's, it's just she's got an unbelievable job. She's one of these girls that's, that has really done done well with her life, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, so her and another civil engineer start talking about who's going to win an eating contest, who would eat more. Okay, so one girl is about six foot one, about 220 pounds, and the other girl, the little Asian girl, she's about four foot eleven about 101 pounds, coach, maybe less, okay? And, but here's the thing is, one girl's name is Kirsten Laverne is her nickname. The other girl, her name is Anna, and her last name is Chu. You do the math, okay? A woman with the last name Chu, you know she's going to win the eating contest, okay? <laughs> I mean, and the one girl is literally more than twice the size of her, but they get into this. Now, they go to... They go to a place called uh, Sweetwater, which is oh, yeah. on Michigan Avenue. Have you ever eaten there? I, well, uh, no, but I walked by it. I was downtown uh, on Tuesday, and I walked by Sweetwater, as a matter of fact. Okay, well, it's uh, the best I can tell you is it's one of the best $50 meals in the city of Chicago. You can go with your wife, have a real good meal, an appetizer, uh, a dessert, and a drink or two, and it'll be like fifty to eighty dollars. You know what I mean? It's not exorbitant mm-hmm. for for how much that you you pay. Well, this business is so smart. People they want to have a tater tot eating contest because that's like their Ooh, favorite food. Much? So these two girls talk around in the office. Somebody in the office like we're going to have a, a, a eating contest. They put posters all over the office. This was like a two or three week deal. Okay, they start calling around. The different restaurants, they were like, no, we're not doing that. That's stupid. No, no, no. Well, Sweetwater's like, heck yeah, come on down. They even set the rules, and they threw stuff in. Well, guess what? About 80 people in their office show up for this, and Sweetwater had the best lunch uh, time they've ever had probably in months. All these other restaurants were too highfalutin and moronic to actually say, oh, an eating contest between two girls. Maybe somebody might want to watch this. Okay. Well, all their friends show up at Sweetwater, and Anna Chu, all four foot eleven, one hundred and one pounds. Don't 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 tell me the final total. I want to guess. Okay, it was eight minutes. Eight minutes. And I want to say, okay. All right, David Olson, you and me are both going to guess on the count of. Uh, we got to get five Your seconds. Number of tater tots. Tater tots in eight minutes. Yes. All right, ready, David? At one, two, three, three twelve. I was going to say one hundred and fifty. I want to let you know something, guys. I don't know why I even brought this up. Because <laughs> thousand, you brought up Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Anna Chu lost, and she only had sixty-six. The woman that beat her had seventy-one. The reason why was they were too hot. Nobody could eat them at the wow. beginning. They like burnt their mouth. They had to spit them out. <laughs> that that but, could affect it. But... Disappointing. I, I mean, it was Joey Chestnut ate sixty-eight hot dogs. Oh, and bun. And bun. With the bun. And Anna Chu ate 66 tater tots. <laughs> Think about how much Joey Chestnut ate. That's what I'm trying to explain to you people. They were stuffed. These girls ate 71 and 66. There was a total of 137 tater tots eaten between the two, and they were stuffed. Okay, so uh, Joey Chestnut is a freaking champion, is all I have to tell you. That's amazing. Coach. I'll tell you what, watching him do it, though, I, I honestly could not watch the finish. Because he was in such stage of uncomfortability. 
and he's snarfing the hot dogs down. I, I watched for a minute, Big Dog. Honestly, I had to go. My son's he was tired of me complaining. He said, "Dad, get out of here. I'll tell you what happened." I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, sometimes it's good. Why are you watching if you're going to sit there and whine? Like, like you can't. You like you don't know that a guy is about to uh, eat more calories than the Ethiopian uh, woman in four months. It's just so disgusting. By the way, I did find out. Not find out, but I did, uh, in my opinion, discover maybe the worst job in television, and that is to be the sideline reporter in charge of interviewing right after the contest the winner of the hot dog eating contest. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to agree with you. Out of all the things that I would want to be in life, that's one of the last ones. Yeah. To be quite honest with you. You know what? That's definitely the last one. The guy who cleans up after the hot dog eating oh, contest. Yeah, I wouldn't call that a TV job, though. But but you're right about that. That would not be good. Now, I had heard from somebody that, is it correct, Big Dog, that if you throw up within like a half an hour of the contest, that that disqualifies you from winning? I don't know what the time limit is, okay? But it's, there, there's without question, if you uh, go through what the uh, – what the eaters call reversal of fortune, yeah. <laughs> you're out of the contest. That, that's what it's called, reversal Dur- of fortune. Yeah, during the contest. But definitely during, yes. you're out. I yes. don't know how long the reversal of fortune goes on. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you just make it to the 12 minutes and you yeah. have more hot dogs, then you puke two seconds later. Uh. I don't know how, I mean, I honestly don't know the rules as well, but I, yes. I, you can't during it, so... Yeah, just just extremely disgusting the uh, hot dog eating contest. But you got to credit Joey Chestnut, six consecutive one again. He snarfed down the final two at the buzzer to tie the all time record. Whatever happened to uh, Kobayashi Taiyoki or whatever his name was? Well, uh, he's in a different eating league, and he's still <laughs> there's, there's competing leagues. Yeah, just you know uh, uh, the, the eating leagues don't make enough money to actually no, like buy each other out, like. The UFC, if you just start a fight league and you get one hot chick as a ring girl and one dude that knocks somebody out really well, uh-huh. uh, Dana White comes in, he gives you an offer that's really, really low, you don't accept it, Who's... and then five of his goons kick the crap out of you, and he gives you a, a price that's half of what you wanted, and next thing you know, he buys out your fight league. Uh-huh. So that's what, the, that's what these, the, whatever hot dog eating league Nathan's is in, that's what they have to do to get Kobayashi back in so we actually have a legitimate rivalry. Again. I love it. I love it. Controversy in the hot dog eating associations. Hey, dog, I got to tell you this real quick uh, because I think you'd appreciate this. Uh, looking at the LPGA, the women's golf uh, LPGA, the, the the U.S. Open is this particular weekend. It starts today. So I was looking down doing research for the show. As you know, I'm a semi-dedicated professional with the emphasis on semi. And looking at some of the previous winners, you're well aware that the South Koreans and Asians have dominated the women's circuit. Right uh-huh. in recent years, so some of the names: So Yan Roy won last year. Yu He Ji a couple of years ago. Inby Park, Birdie Kim. So there's a uh, many from South Korea and, and Asia that have dominated the circuit. So I'm looking at 2012, and it's got Thu Sun, T H U dash S U N, and I'm thinking, oh, that's their you know projected winner for this year. I, I'm looking now, you know, who is Thu Sun, <laughs> and then I realized. Oh, that's Thursday through Sunday when the tournament is. I, I thought I, I thought Sun maybe was like the you know the newest sensation of the tournament. Uh, 
you know, I don't even think you're making it up. You, that really did happen to you, didn't it? No, it did. I'm looking right at it right now. Yeah. If they would have been T-H-U-R, I think I would have got it. But they spelled it in the Tribune today, T-H-U-S-U-N. And it's next to all the other names, you know, that, by the way, the uh, new, well, not new, but uh, Yanni Sang, she's the female golf sensation, I believe, from South Korea. She's won every major except the U.S. Open. Are you familiar with her game? No, I have no idea who that is. Okay. Yeah. All right. We got to find out more about her because she's uh, not the Grand Slam, but she'll be one of the first women ever if she can win the U.S. Open to uh, have all four titles at some point in her career. All right. Well, big dog, uh, we're sorry to miss you. Yeah, yeah. But... And, and by, the, by the way, I know you you get you were tired of me talking about it, but uh, you know we had all the news reporters out last week, and I got to admit you really upset me with the whole trying to like. <laughs> No, no, this is, I didn't find it funny, Coach, because this is the way I make, you know, you might think it's funny to uh, to misrepresent facts and all that stuff, but just to let you know, the police came to Water Riders, and they're going to issue awards of heroism to my crew for all the lives that they saved that day. Nice. So it's funny, you're sitting over there joking, uh, I didn't find it funny. Well, Charlie has to pay a $5,000 fine for some stupid-ass wow. reason, Wow. okay, and... And you, we got people like you or my partner when, when you're supposed to be standing by me making fun of the whole situation. Well, the police have very, very, very subtly let us know that they're going to give awards to my crew mm-hmm. for all the people that they pulled out that day. And are, are they know, very, very... Though, but, uh, but the WGN and all these other people made it look like the police and, and firemen did everything. Mm-hmm. Wait until they get their contract. Maybe we'll actually find out what yeah, happened. Yeah, I relayed your story about uh, the with the firemen and this, the... Uh, Contract talks coming up, and that's one of the reasons for it. I relayed that to a couple of people. But uh, is there any chance then that now that they're giving the award for heroism, that uh, the five thousand dollar fine to our good friend Charlie is going to be rescinded? Uh, that's that's a, that's a, you talk to the city of Chicago about that. Okay, it's ridiculous. They tell us, and we are an hour away. We get back in fifty five minutes, and we don't make it in time. And mm-hmm. we're a hundred yards away from our dock, and we get paid. I mean, what are we supposed to do? We're not the National Weather Service. That, you know, whatever. It was pretty upsetting. But isn't it funny that the same people that issue a citation are issuing a citation, a past citation, have a positive citation. Also. I, Just something to think about, guys. Irony so. of the highest rank. And I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife's sister's brother has a good friend who knows a neighbor who works in the county assessor's office. So, so I've got uh-huh. connections in the city, Big Dog. This will We'll get down to the bottom of this by next week, and everything will be taken care of. It sounds good, and uh, I'm sorry, Coach, for not letting you know beforehand what's up, okay? Right. so Cubs won, baby. I, I'm sorry, I'm letting you go. Cubs so won. I'll talk to you soon, guys. Cubs they won. won yesterday? Cubs won. Did they win? Rizzo and LaHare, home runs. Cubs won. Oh, that's what I love. Okay, guys. All right. Now, you know, Big Dog signing off. We'll get him back tomorrow. The Joel Radwanski, waterriders.com, if you want to hook up with one of his outstanding kayak uh, tours. But um, you know the Big Dog is working hard. When the team he has so much passion for, the team he loves so much, Chicago Cubs, he's not even aware what they did yesterday, but they did win. David, you had a comment? Seven out of nine for the uh, Chicago Cubs now as they win yet again, beat the Atlanta Braves yesterday 5-1. to one. Big dog drops off. You want to play the co-host today? It's Coach flying solo. Oh, it's always a dangerous item. Final 40 minutes of the show. You can be the co-pilot here at 888463 6748 David Olson, he alluded to the fact that you are still here and not with baby in tow. We're still, the clock is ticking. It could be any moment. 
Could be. I think this one's going the distance, though. I mean, my, my wife's due date. My wife's not due for another ten days. Wow. And I think we're gonna get pretty close to that. And you said the first two babies were. Uh, uh, first one was two weeks early. Wow. The second one was three weeks. All right. So we're well within those parameters. But I think this one's going the distance. Coming down to the wire. And down the stretch they come. Here comes baby. Any chance of uh, inductation? Also known as induce it. My, my wife said no. They asked her that last week. Really? Or earlier this week. She said okay. no. Okay. Right. Now, she goes back in a week from tomorrow. I think at that point she might have a different answer. Or if your air conditioning shuts off and the heat we've got, I think she would induce immediately. I can't imagine. I can't imagine being pregnant that big in the middle of the summer, anyways. But uh, in the heat without air conditioning, that's got to be the veritable incandescence of uncomfortability. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. The it veritable does. incandescence of uncomfortable. Don't look that up in the dictionary, Dave, because it probably makes no sense. But it was beautiful. It was poetic license at its best. Going back to the eating <laughs> contest you guys were talking about at the beginning oh. of the show. Have you ever seen that show on the, uh, I think it's on the Travel Channel, Man versus Food? No. It's some yin-yang. <laughs> he goes he goes from city to city and you know you have these restaurants where they have the eating contest where it's like yeah if you eat this 120 ounce steak yes. it's free you have yep. an hour to eat it yep. that's what he does he goes from location to location he oh, does boy. the eating contest boy that's so okay. we were it was on last night we were watching and it was this place up in Anchorage Alaska and the guy had to eat 6 pounds of Alaskan king crab smothered in butter uh. Uh, reindeer sausage. Oh, come on. Come on. Uh, Not reindeer sausage. That's cruel. And what was the At other? At that point, the Alaskan police should step in. And salmon cakes. Oh, that's not bad. Six pounds total, plus dessert <laughs> afterwards, which was like this huge <laughs> slab of apple pie. Oh, that's... And the guy's eating and they show it, and it's like, he did it all in like 43 minutes. But, I mean, he was, like, breaking a sweat uh, while he was eating. Yeah, I hope they have good insurance because somebody could die. Oh, yeah, no, no, I just want to watch that show because somebody's heart's going to explode. Oh, and, and, and they, actually, there's a steakhouse in Texas where they, they they have a giant steak where they call it the heart explosion. And people have died eating that steak. Oh, lovely. Lovely. And, and make sure before you die, you leave a good tip for your waiter. Reindeer sausage. Reindeer, reindeer sausage, yeah. It, the whole hot dog, the whole competitive eating thing is questionable, but you start heading into reindeer sausage up in Alaska, and I'm sorry, the federal government should step in and, and alleviate the situation. By the way, that's an embarrassing story on the tater tots. 61. I mean, that, that sets the female movement back about uh, 35 years. A tater tot eating, I, mean, I could put away 61, probably, unless these things were like huge tater tots. I'm assuming they were the normal tater tot. Yeah, but uh, if they're if they're hot out of the oven, that makes sense. Well, though. Yeah, I mean, you can't really can't. Yeah, but that's that's the restaurant's fault. The hell you doing having a eating contest and serving the stuff piping hot? I mean, you're in enough pain as it is. Anybody that uh, watched the eating contest wants to continue this or further this uh, somewhat nauseating conversation. Feel free to do so. My stomach's already turning. Maybe you could. You know, I don't know if we're on video here, but it'd be a great YouTube video, radio talk show host, up chucking in the middle of the show. If you'd like to take a shot at it, I'm pretty close to doing that right now. 888-463-6748, 888-463-6748. David, my kids still talk about when they were young, we were in St. Louis. 
and some hamburger malt shop had a thing where if you can drink five milkshakes in an hour, you get you get them for free. But these but these were in the big aluminum canister things, you know, that they pour from into a cup. These were huge. So there were like three college kids that you know, you know they thought they were pretty cool. They were down on them. My kids were watching, fascinated with the whole cuts. After the third, uh, one guy lost it at the table. My kids still talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Five milkshakes. That sounds good. Yeah, and how much those milkshakes cost? Oh, yeah, that'll be 20 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Know? To save that, yeah. Yeah. For, just for the challenge. Just for the challenge. 888-463-6748. The phone number, folks, dial it up. Give us a call here. You can play co-host along with the coach today. Two guys at a mic. Again, I... Started off the show saying it feels like a Monday, very odd with 4th of July falling on a midweek Wednesday, but here we are, um, you know, Thursday, almost ready for another weekend here. Kind of cool. You almost get like a double holiday, but, uh, feel free to join us. 888-463-6748. The phone number. You can also email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. You can Twitter us too, but I forget what the, it's, there's too many code things for, I forget. We got two guys at a mic. We got Mike, two guys, but look up there. Look on our Facebook page. Look on our website and you'll be able to go to the Twitter and, and Twitter. I got to get all that information correct. Uh, 888-463-6748. Let's talk a little baseball. Chicago White Sox continue to quietly impress. That's what they're doing. Quietly impressing. Not sexy. No super huge win streaks. They're just marching along. And this is a year, you know, we all knew the Cubs. We're in a rebuilding stage with a capital R, but you know, the White Sox had very little, very little expectations this year. People downplayed them, not a lot. You know, the attendance was down, lost a couple of players, you know, a couple of injured pitchers. They didn't think we're going to be able to go, but very quietly, very assuredly now as we hit the halfway mark, and we might even, uh, I'll probably save this for tomorrow with the big dog is do our uh, division by division look in Major League Baseball at the halfway point, but we got to get the big dog in on that conversation, but uh, right at the halfway point, the Chicago White Sox still in first place by a couple of games, and they're not only winning, but of late, they're beating good teams, beating maybe arguably the you know the best teams in baseball, the Texas Rangers and the New York Yankees. Big win yesterday for the Sox at Sox Park at U.S. Cellular, five to four over the Texas Rangers. They win it in ten. Good pitching performance again, not great. But a workable pitching performance from Dylan Axelrod, a guy that's uh, filling in for John Danks or Jake Peavy or any one of the number of injured White Sox pitchers. They've been battling through that as well. But a 5-4 to four victory. Axelrod was good enough against that Texas Rangers uh, starting lineup. That's a pretty good effort. Not great again, but pretty good effort by him. That's two in a row. Remember, he faced the Yankees last time out. And Kevin Euclid, good pickup so far by Kenny Williams, the veteran Kenny Euclid. Gets the uh, game-winning hit. He beats Alejandro De Haza. I just like saying that guy's name, Alejandro. But uh, De Haza got the big hit in the 10th inning, advanced to second base. Kevin Euclid brought him in. And uh, not one, not two, but three. Three very good defensive plays from Kevin Euclid as well. As he was a star with the bat, but even more so with the glove yesterday, uh, helping keep the Texas Rangers under control. So that was, at least as of right now, a pretty good pickup for the Chicago White Sox. Gordon Beckham who had been back in another slump. I think he was, what, three for 24? So, you know, yet another slump for Gordon Beckham, but he got a big hit yesterday and 
His batting average isn't great, but it's certainly a little better than last year, and he's getting some key hits when it counts. He had a two-run double, big part of the game also. So uh, Beckham getting off the schneid, Adam Dunn, I think went 0 for 4 yesterday, but he had a big ball game the day before. Bottom line is, Sox over the Texas Rangers. They'll play him again today and looking for a, a sweep. But the White Sox playing very, very good baseball. Now, as everybody knows, Sunday will be the final day, and then um, we take a little three-, four-day break. Tuesday will be the All-Star game. So tomorrow, when the big dog is here, we'll do a little um, rundown, division by division. Hard to believe. It feels like you know, time flies when you're struggling along on a low-rated Internet sports talk show. But uh, it seemed like only yesterday we were doing our baseball preview show. You know, end of March, early April. Here we are, halfway through the season. We are in the great abyss of summer right now, and the, the deep hole of summer won't be long in a week or two where we will sneak out of that, and all of a sudden, the autumnal air starts to creep in. The thought of football. Blue, 44, red, 17, split left, split left, banana right, banana right, ready, set. Hut one, hut two, hut three, hut hut. Hey, who? <coughs> Excuse me. Get a little bit excited every time I start talking about football, but it won't be long until we start talking a little college football, the pro football teams going into their training camp. But bottom line is we are at the midpoint of the baseball season, and our Chicago White Sox looking very good. Other side of town. Other side of town. The beloved Cub, 7 out of 9. A little bit of a win streak. Love the optimism. I love some of the quotes from the players talking about how the attitude is and how they're dealing with the losing. And this is exactly the way it should be. You've got a team that obviously has no shot at first place. Their manager even came out. Sometimes, you know, they don't talk about this publicly. And he, he flat out said to a couple of reporters yesterday, a good goal for us, second half of the season, would be to finish 500. So he's basically conceding. You know, they're 14 games back, now four teams in front of him. No shot in hell at contending for the pennant. You remember last year, Cub fans, and, and again, Cub fans, you want to check in, talk a little uh, all-of-a-sudden resurgent. Chicago Cub baseball, 888-463-6748. The phone number here, Coach and the Big Dog, Coach flying solo right now. Uh, manager Mike Quattic, at just about exactly the same time last year, Stated to the fans, and I, I was behind him. I had no problem with him, but he had the opposite approach. He said, hey, and I think they had a little bit of a win streak right before the All-Star break, but their record, they were way back similar to this year, maybe not quite as far back. But he said, hey, we're in position. We can still win this thing. I think people were even kidded him where he, he made some, you know, we're right where we want to be. Well, they were 12 games back at the point, so I'm not sure that's where you want to be. And I was a Mike Quade fan. I'm not one of the guys firing on Mike Quad. I thought he was a pretty good guy, pretty good manager. He got a bum rap from a lot of the fans, and uh, in the end, I think a bum rap from ownership. But I'm just contrasting the viewpoints for the managers. But I love the attitude of the Cub players. Ryan Dempster, Matt Garza, some of the guys, Giovanni Soto, talking about, oh, you know, we know what the record is, but we're still, everybody's keeping up, everybody's, you know, playing loose, everybody's having fun. We still want to win. We still want to get out there, get the competitive juices going, and enjoy each and every win. I love that philosophy. And you can see the Cubs are playing that way. Some teams start losing. They're out of it, and they keep playing because they're professional, but the hearts and the souls aren't into it. I don't know if you can give the credit to Dale Swaim, 
Maybe the players and part of it, I am, I am sure, is because the Cubs had low expectations this year. So if you were picked for first or second place and you're dishing out big bucks and all of a sudden, you know, that dream has come to a halting crash, you find yourself 14 back at the All-Star break, maybe it's a little tougher to have that attitude. This year, Cubs team came into it hoping to be better, but knowing realistically they probably weren't. So psychologically, it's probably a little bit easier to be in the spot that they're in now. But I love that philosophy. And, uh, hey, what's the uh, <coughs> what's the country song, David, if you can't love the one you're with? No, if you can't love the one you want, love the one you're with, right? If you can't be with the one you Thank love, you. love the one you're with. Who was that's... it, Seals and Crosby? Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Okay. How about not England, Dan, John Ford Coley? Hello, yeah, it's I'm sorry, what? Wild. England, Dan, and John Ford Coley. Never heard of them. You've never heard of them? One of the great songs of all time. Hello. Yeah, it's been a while. Not much. How about you? But I'd really like to spend the night with you. Nope. Doesn't oh. ring a bell. Uh, killing me, David Olson. Music buff like yourself. One of my top ten songs of all time. All right. 888-463-674. At any rate, the Cubs have won. Seven out of nine. Heading into the All-Star break with a little bit of momentum. Tony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo with another homer yesterday, folks. Three home runs. Brian LaHare. Now, everybody's caught up in the Rizzo craze. Okay, and I'm excited about this kid, too. I said from day one, when I got my first look at him, I don't know, you know, what his batting average is how many home runs he's going to hit, but this guy, you could tell he belongs. He is confident. He is a major league baseball player. He may have been playing AAA for, you know, the last 60 or 70 games, but this guy is a bona fide major league player. Now he's proven it as a hitter, making some adjustments from last year's struggle, but... Equally as significant in getting covered up in the whole Anthony Rizzo love is all of a sudden Brian LaHare is starting to hit again. Because we thought, you know, we're going to need more than one player to turn this puppy around. And Brian LaHare started off the season. We didn't have much to cheer about. He was one of the guys that all of a sudden for five or six weeks, he looked like just an average player in another, I don't want to say flash in the pan, but, you know, he was going to be good, but he wasn't going to be that real good difference maker player. Well, all of a sudden, the last week, week and a half, Brian LaHare's back on it again. Maybe the pressure of uh, the pressure's off a little bit because everybody's concentrated on Anthony Rizzo. But Brian LaHare starting to jack the ball out of park. He's still striking out a little bit too much, a little bit too much. But if he can prove to be more than just a regular player, but a difference-making type player, all of a sudden, and that's still an if with Brian LaHare. But all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're not. It's still down the road. For the Cubs, contending, winning a championship, God forbid, the World Series. We Don't forget, we Cubs have to win before Joel hits 57. We haven't talked about that for a while, but there's like four or five males in the Big Dog family that all died when they were 57. So the Big Dog, I think it's lessened a little bit, but he was somewhat convinced that he was going to pass away, that somehow he would meet his untimely de- uh, demise at the age of 57. Well, he's going to be 40 in September. So, uh, you know, if the Cubs have a rebuilding program, it better include the next 17 years. I would think they're looking that far out. <laughs> I don't know how many more years Dale Swain had on his contract, but hopefully somewhere in the next 17. But if they're going to build in the championship team, you need more than one guy. Brian LaHare starting to come around, too. And I think uh, that story has been underplayed by the uh, fact that Anthony Rizzo is so far and he was living up to his expectations. Barney and Castro up the middle. 
Theo, Jed, Tommy Ricketts, whoever. I know some of you guys occasionally listen to this show. You won't admit it to the public. They won't admit it to the family members, probably just in sweet whispers at night to their wives. They're the only ones that know about this. But I guarantee they tune into this show. Two guys in a mic. They're listening. Somebody. Not on a regular basis, but if you're listening, guys, Barney and Castro, your second base shortstop combination, keep them together. Do not break them up. I know you will get some tempting offers for one Darney, uh, Darwin, MacArthur Barney. Don't trade him. Don't trade him. You can win with guys like that. Keep Castro and Barney together. That is a winning double play combination. A friendly advice from your local uh, sports talk radio coach here. Um, and beyond that, you know, you got Lahair and you got Anthony Rizzo, and then you build from there. And then you build from there. It looks like we got a couple of good young pitchers and Samarja and Travis Wood, so things could be good down the road for the Chicago Cup. All right, moving along here. Again, phone lines open. Coach flying solo. Beautiful Thursday. Hope everybody had a great 4th of July out there. David Olson, did you, uh, now with wife pregnant, delivering at any moment, I'm assuming the young kids were not able to see the fireworks. Yeah, we skipped out. Well, just a combination of everything. The, the pregnant wife yep. and the heat. Not good. Did the kids complain? Your kids are uh, A little bit. And they still asked this morning, so when are we going to go see the fireworks? It's like, well, we kind of missed them this year, but. Mm-hmm. Right, they're still per- three and five, right? Three and five, okay, yeah. I, we, yeah we, I mean, we took them last year, yeah. and they weren't like, you know, they just started, okay, can we go now? Can we go now? So. Yeah. A couple of years older, though, most guys, by the, you know, like ages six through ten, you'll have a tough time keeping them away. That's prime fireworks. And dogs, by the way, do not like fireworks. Have you noticed that? Uh, yeah, Many I, have dogs. A, I, I have a dog, yeah. We yeah. used to have to drug our dog. Yep. So, somebody was telling me last night at a 4th of July party I was at that um, their dog actually senses <laughs> when 4th of July is coming. Maybe, you know, how people light fireworks off a day or two before. Like the entire 4th of July spends upstairs curled up in a corner. They have that sense. But fireworks are not favored. I got um nice guy. Nice guy neighbor, not going to talk to definitely nice guy neighbor, but on 4th of July, they turn into crazed, and we live in a cul-de-sac. And I think he's got a friend in the police department. So for some reason, the police never come by, but they put on a show post-fireworks. And I mean, you know, all the danger safety recommendations of lighting the fireworks. I don't know, Mike, I had to practically tackle my 18-year-old son from going out there and getting too close to it. They're lighting off some explosive stuff, and based on the cans that were gently straight about, beer cans, that is, and a slight odor that emanated over to our house, they were lighting those fireworks under the, you know, at least minor influence of uh, alternative situations. Not a great combination. Not a great combination, but uh, fortunately no one got hurt, particularly my 18-year-old son who wanted to be part of the festivities. We had a little conflict last night, but uh, at any rate, hope everybody had a great 4th of July. The party's out there, outstanding, and uh, parades, etc. I did miss our local town parade, but I know that's one of the great traditions out there. Hope everybody enjoyed it. It was hot, hot, hot here in the city of Chicago, I think pretty much in the entire Midwest, but at least it didn't rain. Don't let it rain on my parade. There was very little rain. A lot of heat. Very little rain. By the way, I did go to a party and annoy a lot of people. I brought one of those sprayers with me. You know, the cool spray. 
they come in all different shapes and sizes, but it, I used to use it for coaching. When I would coach kids in baseball at about the fifth or sixth inning on a hot day, they're sitting on the bench dying, and you get one of those spray, but you spray them with cold water, a little bit on the face, top of the head, back of the neck. It's amazing. You get a 13-year-old kid who looked like he's about ready to keel over, and it was like watching a flower bloom in fast motion. Just a little bit of the spritz from the spray bottle, top of the head, back of the neck. But uh, after a couple of beverages, I was spraying people last night at the party who were not exactly thrilled to be being sprayed. But I had a little deceivious jewel to me. I was enjoying it anyways, but apparently nobody else was. But uh, uh, in the hot weather, big fan. Big fan of the spray bottle. One of the more underrated things you can use. All right. 888-463-6748. Other things going on in the world of sports. Wimbledon tennis. Wimbledon tennis, the 126th running of, I don't know if you could say arguably or not, probably the most prestigious tennis tournament of them all on the grass at Wimbledon. Now, I, you know, it's more for lack of time than anything else. As I'm watching the Kevin Euclid's base hit, uh, and the celebration by the White Sox afterwards on the TV. But I, I just don't watch tennis much. Very, very. I mean, I haven't sat down and watched an entire or even the majority of a big tennis match in a long, long time. I'll watch, you know, a few points here or there. I'll get amazed at how athletic and their skill level, but I just don't watch it. But I was on the uh, elliptical machine yesterday. And there was a couple other people on it. I didn't want to be the troublemaker to turn the TV. And they had the quarterfinal Wimbledon matchup. David Ferrar from Spain, I believe, going up against the local favorite from Great Britain, Andy Murray. Andy Murray, always the bridesmaid, but never the bride. Well, he's in the final four now, so maybe maybe he'll get over the hump. But i, I got to tell you, and again, I was on it for, what, 45 minutes. So it was the first significant chunk of tennis I've watched in a long time. Man, not only entertaining, but just incredibly athletic. It's amazing how good these guys are. And I was trying to think of other sports. You know, the, the women play two out of three. The men play best of five. I mean, you go five sets, that's probably two hours, sometimes close to three hours. And it's singles. So there's no there's no bench, there's no subs, there's no hitting behind a guy, there's no handing off the ball to a guy, there's no passing to a guy. It is you out there every single point. It's you and you alone competing. I was trying to think, David Olson, other sports where for that length of time you are front and center. I mean, you're the guy. You know, certainly not the team sports. You know, the basketballs, hockey. I mean, there's all places in those sports where you can rest. Golf, not that kind of intense. It's not just the conditioning. It's um, high intensity of activity per capita, per minutes played. I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but I'm trying to think of other sports where you are for that long a time. You're the guy at every single point or whatever the sport you're particularly playing is. Now, I'm trying to compare it to something else, and I don't know. Golf, no. Bowling, no. Soccer, no. Chess, maybe. From a mental standpoint, you, you know, David's laughing. A few people I might out there be smirking, but I'll tell you what, from a, not that I play it. When I play chess, it's usually over in 20 minutes, and I've lost, and, you know, go have a beer. But, but chess probably, 
Some of those matches do last two and a half, three hours, and that's got to be intense mental concentration, no teammates, no talking to the coach. And I don't think those players, they're not even allowed to talk to coaches. You get a break every two games, you know, hallelujah, you get to sit down in the chair, get a little Gatorade, but back out you are. So uh, if any fans, you know, help me out there. What other athletes for that length of time are out there front and center where they basically are the only competitor? 888 Beyond that, I was just, uh, again, and I'm not a tennis fan, a big tennis fan, haven't watched a lot, but just getting 45 minutes of solid action. One, it killed some boring elliptical time. Thank you very much. And two, I was amazed at what a great match it was. Both those guys, David Farrar, phenomenal, and Andy Murray looked like he was going to lose a couple times, kept coming back, ended out winning the match. He advances to the semifinal. I think we got Roger Federer. Taking on Novak Djokovic in a um, classic semifinal matchup. Rafael Nadal got knocked off in an upset early. So your other final four, you're gonna actually going to have, uh, when I say an upset, both these guys are highly ranked, but you are going to have somewhat of a Cinderella, somewhat of a surprise in the championship because it's Andy Murray, the local kid. And nobody from Great Britain has won Wimbledon. David, I think I looked, it was like 1930s, 1940s. So you can be sure the fans, the home, you know, the hometown fans are going to be cheering one Andy Murray on, and he's been in that situation before. He's been close, has trouble getting over the hump. You got to root for him and see if he can finally win it. But it'll be Andy Murray going up against one of my favorite names in all of sports, Joe Wilfred Songus. Joe Wilfred, I have a little bit of affinity for him because that was what we were going to name our son. It was down to the final three names: it was David, Johnny Jr., or Joe Wilfred. And I was going for Joe Wilford. I thought that would have been a good Joe Wilford cone. Would have been a great, you know, just to see the rabbi at the bar mitzvah. Would have been worth the, the price of admission alone. By the way, I was wearing yesterday, speaking of rabbis, uh, David, you'd appreciate this shirt. I was looking for the, you know, 4th of July colors, trying to get the combo. So I needed to go with a red shirt with the navy blue hat and the white shorts. It was a bad look yesterday, but best I could go. So I pulled out my old red Chicago Maccabi shooting shirt. Chicago Maccabi is like the uh, the uh, the Maccabi games are like the youth Jewish Olympic games, and it's got the Maccabi team. But you know the Michael Jordan Nike picture with Jordan slamming it home. You know the famous Jordan logo. Well, it's got that same logo. I think I think the jersey says Air Maccabi, playing off in the air, Jordan. But it's got the rabbi with the ball in his hand, slamming the ball home instead of Jordan. It's a good look. It's a very athletic. I don't know where they got that rabbi from, who we got to pose, but uh, let me just say this, very athletic rabbi. I think uh, our study showed the average vertical jump of a rabbi is about 8 inches. And this guy posing for the picture must be at least 20, 25 inches off the ground. So very impressive. Air Maccabi. But... Um, and I forgot where I was going with that story. <laughs> we finish up the Wimbledon. Somehow I got from Wimbledon tennis to that. There was a transition there. I have no idea how. Uh, NBA basketball. Got any NBA fans out there? Big trade. Big trade. We had heard a little bit about Steve Nash, you know, going here. Maybe Steve Nash going there. Maybe re-signing tail end of his career, but he's still a pretty damn good player. All of a sudden, we read that the Los Angeles Lakers have signed the finest athlete ever to come out of Canada, Mr. Stephen Nash. Interesting. 
real interesting if you're an NBA fan. Miami Heat, all of a sudden. I'd like to know. It's probably too early for the Las Vegas odds. I'd like to know, uh, David, you know, a couple days ago what the the odds were on the Lakers. And now with Nash at point guard. Boy, Nash, Kobe, they haven't got rid of Paul Gasol yet, have they? No, and I did. now they don't think they will. And Andrew Bynum? I mean, yep. That, yep. Uh, the Heat Steve will be the Nate. favorite, but. Will they? Yeah, I think so, but the will Lakers they? are going to be right there. Steve Nash, first of all, you know, he's obviously the best point guard that the uh, the Lakers have had since Magic Johnson. Yep. And just simply having a true point guard like him is going to make the big three on the Lakers that much better. Because a player his age, he's content with dishing the ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're going to be scary. They're going to be scary. It will, it will be interesting to see how the, the chemical combination works. I mean, just Nash with Kobe. Because you're right, Nash will pass the ball, but both those guys do need the ball in their hand. But interesting. So you think the, they got a chance of being favored over the Miami Heat for next year? Well, I, I, I think the uh, the Heat will still be the favorite, but this makes the Lakers a close second, in my opinion. All right, so they will pay without Steve Nash. It was, I'm, you know, again, we're a long way off from next year, but I would imagine it would have been Oklahoma City one. San Antonio, too, talking about an order of Las Vegas odds if you wanted to place a bet right now. And the Lakers, probably three. But now with Nash, you think they leapfrog Oklahoma City. That'll be an interesting. Yeah, they definitely uh, leapfrog them. I'm yeah. trying to think who else would have been on that list. I mean, you can't, the Bulls with the injury, you couldn't. Well, no, I was talking the West. Oh, you're just talking the In West. In the West, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I don't even, do they have Vegas odds already for next year, NBA? Sure, sure they do. I can probably look them up. Eh, don't bother. <laughs> At any rate, Stevie Nash on the L.A. Lakers. That's going to be interesting. Also on a NBA note, it's not a trade, but uh, remember when Joe Kim Noah went down for the Chicago Bulls in the playoffs? What was it, game four? Game five, they missed him for a couple of games and... Uh, you know, it looked like a pretty significant injury at the time. You remember Bulls fans hate to bring back bad memories, but they brought him back in the game. He tried to plan it. He could barely get up and down the court. Tom Thibodeau, some of the training staff got some criticism. What the hell you do? Because at that point, it was a critical game, and it was a close game, and the Bulls lost. And, you know, people were saying, why are you bringing him back in the game? He could barely move. You know, we had better chance to win when he wasn't playing at that point, and two, you had a chance of re-injuring him. Of course... If the Bulls would have pulled out that game, it would have been the exact opposite response. You know, a great move, way to brave it out, Noah. Good job, Tom Tebow, a way to be, you know, strong enough in character to bring him back in the game and pull out a big Bulls win. It's amazing how one missed shot, one shot, can change the whole tenor of a particular decision. But uh, bottom line is, Joe keep knowing that that was, what, a you know, month, month and a half ago. And the ankle was still hurt. Bad enough where Joe Keem has pulled out of playing in the Olympic Games. So that ankle injury, you know, people were saying, you know, could he come back or could he not? Can he play the next game? Can he play? Not even close. Month and a half later after all the rehab, Joe Keem's still not ready to go. That was, he didn't tear anything, but it was a severe, severe, I believe, ankle sprain, foot sprain, but uh, either way, bad injury. Joe Keem, no, will not be playing for La Francais, and I don't think Tony Parker is going to be playing either. So my bet last year where I took France and uh, gave up six points against um, Angola, not looking so good right now. 
Not looking so good. Olympic basketball, 23 days away. The London Olympic Games, not too far away. Uh, and we'll be covering that, of course, here on the Two Guys at a Mic show. Actually, I'm going to be gone for a week. I think I'm the week I'm gone, the, the games start like Thursday or Friday. So I'll miss the first couple of days, but I'll be back for the majority of it. Always enjoy the uh, Olympic Games. Um, the 99th running of the Tour de France. And again, David Olson's keeping it a surprise, but next year we're already planning. Already planning some special things on this particular show to celebrate the 100th <laughs> Tour de France. And David's doing a good job of keeping it a surprise. He's pretending like they're not doing anything. And I got to tell you, David, you're doing a phenomenal job of pretending like you could give a crap. But I know you're planning something behind the scenes for the 100th because, uh, you know, the, oh, now up on the screen, Joey Chestnut just wolfed down uh, hot dog number 54. But uh, the Tour de France, uh, apparently yesterday I didn't see a little crash, a little bicycle crash at the uh, tail end of it. Mark Cavendish, one of the leaders in the sprint to the finish, to win stage five, gets in a crash, a couple of bicycles go down, and uh, your leader, after five stages, still 15 to go, Fabian Cancellara. So all you Fabian Cancellara fans out there right now, he is from Switzerland, He's wearing the yellow jersey. He is your leader, and hopefully Mark Cavendish, one of the favorites to win it all, will be okay. We talked about before where, I mean, car crashes are unbelievable, but bicycle crashes, bicycle wipeouts, you talk about the most dangerous things in all of sport. I don't know how fast those bicycles go. What, 60, 70, 50 miles per hour? I mean, they're cruising. And you don't, you know, at least a car, you got a little bit of car to break the, to break the collision. The bicycle, you are completely unprotected. Completely unprotected. You watch some of those bicycle crashes, they're the most violent amongst the most violent in all of sport. So I know that's, you know, for some people, one of the reasons why you, you watch the danger of it, the possibility of it, but, uh, hopefully those competitors will be okay. It was kind of a nasty crash yesterday. At any rate, uh, we'll be back. Tomorrow with the big dog, and one of the things we will do tomorrow is take a look uh, division by division, kind of give a halfway through the season report on everybody, on all the different divisions, all the different teams. We talk a lot of Cub Sox baseball here on this particular show, but uh, we'll make sure we go through all the divisions, check out everybody, and see. Uh, and I always ask the big dog, I think one of the questions I enjoy doing this, because the dog is our baseball expert here, which teams right now, are play, you know, looking really good. Top of the hill. Maybe they don't have the best record in baseball, but you know, things are all positive. Momentum going good. Looking like a great season. I hate to say it, but our Chicago White Sox might be a prime candidate. Which teams are going good now? Team or teams that in the second half of the season, when the final story is written, things are not going to be so bright. And it's almost not fact, but it's based on history. The question is not if, it's who. There is going to be some teams right now. You know, Pittsburgh Pirates are rolling. Can they keep it going? Washington Nationals keep wanting to call them the capital. They're rolling. Third best record in all of baseball, by the way, folks. And there is one sports talk host in town, David Olson, who came back from opening day after watching one game. And I said, and not that I was predicting the Nationals to have the third best record in all of baseball, but who said, you know, watch out. These guys, these guys got something this year. They look like they're going to be a solid, 
Solid bulk of that was after one game. Well, they're better than solid. They're really good. Yeah, and it's about time too. Yes, it's it's it's, it's a great story, and it's good for baseball. Yeah, good for the DC area. Absolutely, which has some good baseball, and they had a ton of injuries, ton of injured guys, and now they're getting them back healthy. So they'll be one of the teams to keep an eye on. I will also ask Big Dog tomorrow the reverse: which teams are looking down right now, not feeling very good, that all of a sudden are going to surprise and contend next year? It's always kind of fun. To speculate on that second half of the season, I should say. All right, we got to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening again. Hope everybody had an enjoyable and safe Fourth of July. I know everybody out there is thrilled to be back to work today, but don't worry, the weekend is coming soon. David Olson, hopefully we'll see you tomorrow, but I know you're on the countdown for baby number three. Have a great day, everybody. Tomorrow, back at 10 o'clock. Don't be late. We'll see you tomorrow.